0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. I'm Father Roderick. And there are a lot of kids in the streets today. It is evening on the day that St. Nicholas has arrived in the Netherlands. This is a yearly tradition that goes back generations. Where we honor St. Nicholas, who was a very important patron saint in the Netherlands, because he's known as the patron saint of the seafaring people. That is probably why um, he is such an important saint in the culture of the Netherlands. But he is so popular (laughs) that he actually is celebrated um, weeks and weeks in advance of his formal uh, feast day, which is on the 6th of December. I don't know if you can hear that. There's actually a a marching band uh, in the street here ahead of me of... uh, of, of people dressed up as uh, the helpers of St. Nicholas. And this is a, an important day because according to the lore surrounding this, uh, f- th- these celebrations of St. Nicholas, he arrives every year from Spain, where he is apparently living. And um, being a modern saint as well, goes, he you know, kind of moves along with the times and the technology He's, um, he's arriving by boat I guess that's a very um, friendly uh, like environment friendly way to, uh, to travel nowadays much better for the environment than, than taking uh, oh there hear the music than taking an, an airplane so the, the members of the marching band are, are in uh, very festive costumes blue and red with feathers on them and there are lots of kids and, and their parents in the streets because they've been welcoming St. Nicholas in the small harbor in the center of the, of the city. And so the, 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 especially the smaller kids are walking around wearing the same kind of hats that you see on St. Nicholas' helpers with the bright colored feathers and, and everything... Let's take a look at the, the marching band here. <laughs> There's no no trace of Saint Nicholas, though. So I guess that what what happened is that they've been accompanying Saint Nicholas during his uh, victory tour through the streets of Amersfoort, and this is where the uh, the company actually uh, ends their uh, their their day. So they have their um, uh, the small. I've never been in this street before, but this is where they gather and uh, and uh, study their music, I suppose. So they've been probably. no oh, well, they, they still continue. They've been they've been uh, walking with Saint Nicholas, who is dressed as a regular bishop, wearing a red mitre and red mantle, and also an alb. Uh, usually, also carries a stole. A bishop 's ring, of course, and a staff because he is a bishop he is a he 's a shepherd and uh, oftentimes he will be riding a horse, a white horse, according to the tradition here and the tradition is, is um, it 's not just in the Netherlands, you can find it in, in uh, a few other European countries as well, although the um, let's say th- there are some differences, cultural differences in the way that Saint. Nicholas is depicted and also his helpers. Um, differ from, from country to country. And in in some ways, the very famous Santa Claus in, in the United States, in North America, also has very strong links with the figure of St. Nicholas. Even the name itself, Santa Claus, Sinterklaas, that's how we call him here in the Netherlands. It's St. Nicholas. And so the the immigrants from Europe took a lot of the elements from the traditional Feast of St. Nicholas to the United States when they migrated there, and uh, with some other influences that ultimately ended up merging into the character of of Santa Claus, who shares a number of of um, habits and characteristics with his European friend here. Um, In the sense that he's a gift giver, so what, what will happen tonight is that all the kids in, in Amersfoort and in the rest of the Netherlands, because his arrival is, is celebrated in almost every town, sometimes in a very spectacular way, like there is a televised arrival every year. And this year, St. Nicholas arrived in uh, the north of the country. If I'm not mistaken, even in Dockham, which is a place where one of the earliest evangelizers of the Netherlands uh, died as a martyr, St. Boniface. So it's a very fitting place for this other saint to, uh, to be welcomed. And, but also the smaller villages, they will have uh, their own celebrations uh, around the arrival of St. Nicholas. And tonight the kids will put a, uh, one of their uh, shoes... In front of the chimney, if they have one, or otherwise elsewhere in the house, sometimes near the door, like the kids in of my my sister's family, and they'll they'll put in a, a carrot. Almost got <laughs> crashed into a girl, also dressed up as one of Saint Nicholas's helper helpers, <laughs> with a, a a pink beret, a, a pink hat with a yellow feather, and a dog <laughs> that she was chasing. Um, and so you put a carrot in there uh, for the horse sometimes also a letter to St. Nicholas expressing your um, well your wish list and then uh, in the morning if you're lucky and St. Nicholas has stopped by your house you'll find something in in your shoe the the carrot will be gone and uh, because of course the horse the horse is carrying St. Nicholas through, uh, through the night and uh, bringing all the presents to the kids and then usually in this time leading up to the the official feast day of saint nicholas which is celebrated traditionally here on the eve of the feast day so on the 5th of december uh, the kids will get small presents from time to time or just some candy or chocolate or something like that or cookies and uh and then on the 5th of december the eve of the feast of saint nicholas there is a, a bigger party in a lot of families where you'll also get the bigger presents. I have tremendously fond memories of, the, of those years. Uh, I was a firm believer in, uh, in the goodness of St. Nicholas. And in a way, I still am. Although he doesn't bring me any presents anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I do get a chocolate letter, which is also one of those Dutch treats. Oh It's just basically... A letter, the letter of your, of your first name uh, but made out of chocolate it can be dark chocolate or hazelnut milk chocolate or anything um, but I, the, I think that this feast is tremendously educational in a way and that has to do with its origins um, it was St. Nicholas was not only the patron saint of the seafaring people um, so a lot of the especially in the, the cities like Rotterdam and Amsterdam um, there, he was celebrated throughout the year and, and also asked, people asked for his intercession to protect the, the people at sea the fishermen, the traders in their boats but St. Nicholas is also patron saint of the children especially of the, the poor children um, there are stories of, of his life uh, that tell how St. Nicholas uh, came to the rescue of of poor families and helping them with gold and sometimes other gifts. Uh, he, he could heal children. Um, and a lot of those stories led to, to him being the patron saint of children. And what I particularly like is the original idea that during St. Nicholas, the time of St. Nicholas, kind of the season of St. Nicholas, um especially the poor would, uh, would receive gifts and so this whole idea of putting your shoe in the, in the in, uh, for, and, and ask for, for St. Nicholas to fill those shoes with, uh, with gifts comes from one of the legends of St. Nicholas's life where he heard about a, a very poor family where the man um, decided that he, he had no other way than to, to sell his, his daughters uh, on the market, <laughs> because he, he couldn't feed them anymore, and of course that would that would have led to a, a horrible life. And Saint Nicholas during the night throws some golden coins and through the uh, through the window, the open window, that end up in the shoes of the of of the daughters. And so when they wake up, they find the gifts of Saint Nicholas. And so the The first time, the first stories that we have of of people, or the first accounts of people uh, putting their shoes in uh, for Saint Nicholas, was they would actually bring their shoes to the church. That's where they would put them, and um, that they would come back on the feast of Saint Nicholas to find gifts that the helpers of Saint Nicholas, probably the parishioners or the pastor himself, had put in in their shoes. And that was a very um, simple way to um, put in practice kind of one of the most important commandments and that is love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself and so taking care of the poor is an expression of that love the people that need that love and especially need that love in a very concrete material way and so I I like the fact that that it came from this uh, um uh this tradition, this Catholic tradition, um, of of supporting the poor, especially around the feast of the patron uh, saint of the of the of the children and the poor and the weak. Of course, a, a lot of that symbolism has been lost because we live in a in a pretty you know wealthy country. Although we should never forget that even in wealthy countries like uh, most of the Western countries that we live in there is still a lot of hidden poverty. And uh, I'm, I'm passing here by a store. On my left is a, a children's uh, toy store. And it's, of course, bright and colorful, and they make a lot of money during these weeks. But there are a lot of children, even in this city, that, whose parents don't have any money to, uh, to buy presents. And so there are volunteer organizations that actually will go and gather uh, money and and try to find uh, gifts so that also those poor children can have something to play with and uh, don't have to sit in class hearing the stories about their, all the all the other kids getting presents for for the feast of Saint Nicholas and then they they don't have anything and so what I think is the most what I learned of Saint Nicholas as a child was that. Ultimately, giving itself was more fun than receiving. Of course, as a small child, I would love to get, you know, the presents that were on my wish list. I also had to cope with um, sometimes not receiving what I wished for, because, of course, as a child, you don't know how much, uh, like, a model train costs, and my parents were not particularly wealthy at the time. So sometimes I would get just get, a, um, a you know, clothes or something, or socks, and... <laughs> Instead of that uh, beautiful model train that I'd wished for, so it's it's also uh, it's a good experience of, of you can ask. It's like prayer; you can ask for everything, but whether or not you'll receive it, that's another that's another question. Some more kids here walking around with their parents. Of course, they're, they're, they're currently they're making up their their wish lists. And another thing is that later on, when you grow a bit older, in in families where you have both small children and older children, oftentimes the, the gift giving changes in the sense that the family will celebrate the Feast of St. Nicholas by exchanging gifts and you, would, you uh, would put all the names of the family members in a, in a bowl and, and you will pull out a name that is for you and you make a special gift, sometimes also like a whole uh, presentation around it or you could do like a um, uh, hide it somewhere in the, in the house or you would write a poem And there are lots and lots of creative ways to accompany this gift giving and th- that itself was of course the anticipation of, of knowing that you're going to make someone happy by giving something and uh, taking care of uh, uh, putting extra energy and creativity in this gift giving that was the fun of the party not the gift itself and that I think is a very important lesson even for, for any day ultimately what makes you happy is it's not really receiving owning stuff, it's giving stuff, it's giving away and giving presents, not just you know, expensive stuff that you just buy in any store or online, but it's it's about the special, the personal gift, the gift of your time the gift of your attention and your creativity that's worth so much more than just the material gift itself well, those are some thoughts that I would like that I wanted to share with you and hopefully it helps you in in becoming a giver yourself and well we're entering the season of, of giving gifts but always remind yourself that what is most imp- the most important thing the most precious thing you can give is your time, your creativity and your love all the rest is ultimately not that important evening falls here in Amersfoort. it's raining a little bit and in the distance you can hear the bells of the Tower of Our Lady on the main square here in the city. I love this season. It's the it's season of, uh, of, of, of winter. But There's also some coziness. We're, we're, we're heading towards the, the big celebrations of uh, Advent and, and Christmas and in this country also St. Nicholas. It's a time of gift giving, of sharing, of being together with friends and family. Who doesn't like this time? Provided, of course, that you have friends or family, or both. Um, speaking of gift-giving, I'm here uh, <laughs> near one of the toy stores, and I want to take a look, because today heard that um, some great games are coming out. Of course, it's busy. It's a Saturday. I'm recording this on a Saturday. And yeah, there are lots of uh, kids with their parents here. Looking at all the cool toys. This is the Lego department, the Lego section with Lego dimensions, and <laughs> the, the personnel here and all the kids are wearing these, these brightly colored hats of the helpers of St. Nicholas. This is the video game section with on top there is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and then underneath it is uh, what looks like FIFA. So it's a, it's a very popular soccer game. And some other kids are, are, are playing a game that is projected uh, on, the, on the floor of the, of the toy store. But I'm not here for those games. I'm actually here to take a look at the number one games like the, 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 the Class A games that have come out recently. And this is Battlefront 2. It is uh, the sequel to Battlefront, the Star Wars Battlefront uh, which was a tremendous game, um, and this is a, a, a much better game in many ways, except for one uh, there 's been a lot of controversy about the like the gambling mechanics that are uh, uh, integrated in the game, uh, probably to lure people into spending some extra real money in while they are playing the game in order to level up and a lot of the gamers are outraged about that because course if if it becomes pay to play and if you can buy better weapons that give you an edge over the people that you know have already spent because this is an expensive game this is 60 euros um so but even if if you buy the the full game you still have to uh you know save virtual points etc and you can accelerate the game by spending even more money uh, and, and so the uh, disadvantage that that it, that it puts regular players in is, is causing major controversy. But it's still an amazing game. The second game that I'm here to take a look at is The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, which is a, a game that came out years ago. Beautiful role-playing game. But this is the VR version, the virtual reality version. You can play this with the PlayStation VR. And be in the world of Skyrim. It's also... Um, a, a very expensive game it's like 60 bucks and even though everything in me is like oh I would love to play these two games I'm going to walk out of this store without buying it because that's what I wanted to talk about today with you is um, something that I've learned especially this year um, The uh, they're looking at me a bit like, um, who is this guy with a microphone? <laughs> Ooh, it started to rain pretty badly. I'm opening my green umbrella here. Because this is a little bit too much rain for the equipment that I'm carrying. But, uh, it's, it's what I've learned is, or what I'm learning. I, I can't say I'm mastering it yet, but it is to resist the urge to splurge. <laughs> um... Everybody is, is familiar with um, impulse buying. you know you see something um, and everybody's talking about it and you think you need to have it, whether it is a new phone and the, the, the new iPhone X or a new gadget or I've been very much uh, one of those people that, that could not resist impulse buying. Um, there's only one type of impulse purchase that I can resist, and that is anything that has to do with candy or chocolate or there's some people can't resist that when they see um, when they are checking out in their supermarket and then near the exit you you can you can buy chocolate or something else like oh, I need that I want that i and it's it's made for impulse buying well um this is also the the season of uh of the, the big sales, of course, you've got following Thanksgiving in the United States, you've got Black Friday, which was usually the time that a lot of um, stores would clear inventory and put things on sale in order to um, make space for the probably the Christmas uh, uh, gift or the, the Christmas inventory. But it has become a very orchestrated commercial um, activity that, that is planned. Months, if not years, in advance, um, where uh, things are, are put on sale. Yes, cheaper than normal, but it's is well planned so that ultimately, of course, they will make much more money than they will they will lose by putting things on sale. And so, the mechanics, of course, are 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 simple. Uh, it's this one big day. Everybody's talking about it for for weeks already on on. Online stores like Amazon they advertise this Black Friday and it's no longer just Black Friday. It starts like weeks in advance where you can already get the Black Friday deals right now. And then it's not just Black Friday, but then it's also um, the the Cyber Monday. And that that they, they keep extending the 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 time, trying to lure as many people as possible into buying things on impulse because that's kind of what it is. They're putting things on sale hoping that because you get a deep discount you'll you'll buy that second uh, OLED TV even though you already have a big screen TV and you really don't need another one but, well, it's just a deal you cannot n- miss out on and uh, that is true for a lot of other stuff and it's, it's very tempting um, because sometimes we do need something that we cannot really afford or we don't want to spend too much money on and, and so if people have been kind of planning in advance the purchase of a new television for, for Black Friday. You know, I, I wouldn't say anything about that. And I have done that in the past as well, waiting for, you know, days like, like these to, for instance, get a new camera, knowing very well that it would save me like 20% or 25% of the regular price throughout the year. Um, but the impulse buying, I really uh, have have... Start to step back from that craziness, even even the just the the whole Black Friday and Cyber Monday stuff, because I way too often I I've, I've purchased things that ultimately I ended up not using at all, and they would just end up in one of my drawers, and um, and then it's regret because once you buy it, the urge is gone, and it's also but it's also the the whole adrenaline that the anticipation gives you of not having something and then looking forward to having it, that that anticipation often has much more energy than, than the moment that you actually possess it. And then, you know, the urge is gone. And, well, then of course sometimes you will enjoy it and, and other times you'll end up with stuff that actually normally throughout the year you would have never bought. Or in my case, my wake-up call came from uh, the moment that I... Uh, took another hard look at all the video games uh, that I have, and I was just shocked and dismayed to discover that like 90% of the games I had bought in the past, I'd only played once or sometimes never. And I usually bought video games when they were on sale, but uh, even then, you still spend 10, 20 euros on, on a game, And if you only play it once or never, then that is a lot of money, and it adds up. And I had just uh, several... um, How do you say that? Like Probably around 60 or 70 games that I bought for uh, uh, the Xbox 360, which was uh, a gaming console that I used a lot um, let's say five years ago. Then I just kept on on buying games and not having time to play them. But, you know, they're on sale. This is such a bargain. I can't, you know, next week the prices will go up. Well, actually, that almost never happens. <laughs> they just devalue so quickly. And it's even it's even worse with the digital purchases because um, if you buy, like, a physical game, like here, there's a store here on my right, um, where they sell a lot of secondhand uh, games. So they've got all the the discs there if you have a physical game then you can still sell it back and, and you know get a little bit of your money back although i have to say it's often very disappointing how much they will give you for your games it's usually less than 10 percent of the actual price that you paid for it so and and of course it, <laughs> the first for a few months you're not going to sell your game because you still are under the impression that um you will have time to do that but then year after year these games go down in value tremendously and then I end up with all those games and if I add up the money that I spend on those games I could have done so much else and so many better things than wasting it on those games Um, so that has taught me to stop the impulse buying and to always ask myself kind of the, the simplest question possible when you when you're uh, in front of a purchase and that is is this a need or is this a want is this something I truly am going to use I need to—I need this for my work or whatever or is this is something that I've been looking forward to a long time and I'm actually really going to play this game for a long time uh, or or is this just is, is it just me following the hypes is this just me believing the marketing machine that tells me that my life is not complete without this game and then the second question you have to ask yourself is, is this an impulse buy or did I budget for this? It's another thing that I've gradually learned over time, mostly because I uh, was not only uh, uh, responsible for my own personal uh, finances, but also for the finances of the organizations that I run. And so the question is, uh, have you, do you have a budget for this kind of stuff? Or are you just spending... Because it goes on your credit card, because you pay um, digitally, and you only see the bill later on, or do you have a budget that has a category for you know these extra things? And I'm so I'm not I'm not saying that you should never buy something that is just for fun, or I didn't stop completely buying video games, but way more often than in the past, I'm asking myself. Uh, is is this something I I need? Is this just a want? And the moment I buy it, the want is gone, and even the urge to to play these games or to whatever. Uh, or and and I am working much much more than in the past with a budget, and I'm I'm careful on how I spend my money, and I want to make sure that my money, just like my time and my energy, goes into the things that are truly important and matter. And so. Every time I buy these prime video games, like priced incredibly high. Like a few years ago, I was outraged when I saw when the PlayStation 4 came out and Xbox One that these games jumped from you know 40 bucks usually for a, a, a for a for an important game, which was already pretty high, all the way up to 60, sometimes 70 euros for a game. Wow. I'm, I'm glad that I have my umbrella because I can hear the, the big drops of water falling on the umbrella. So um, it's, it's all about uh, the s- stop and think before you splurge. And ultimately, and that is probably um, an even more confronting question to ask myself, is what good could I have done for someone else with this money? So, if I spend 60 bucks on a video game, what would those 60 euros mean to someone who has nothing? To parents that are unable to buy their kids' presents? Why do I buy all that stuff? It's not that my life is lacking in entertainment. There are so many other things that I can do with my time. So, I'm perfectly happy, even more than I deserve, with the stuff that I have. So, why always add to that if I don't truly need it and so the, the kind of the moral question that I ask myself and of course that is a personal question and I don't you know I don't want to preach here but I'm always wondering could I could I spend this money in a different way that will ultimately also make me happy because it is makes you happy to give and to do something uh, with, with your money and your resources for the world so what else can I do with this money? And then finding other purposes for your money and actually giving it to some charities or but doing some research and, 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 and even visualizing what, what your money can do for someone else, that gives you way more joy and way more lasting joy probably than the joy of that impulse buy on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So that is what I wanted to share with you and again I hope that it will guide you in these days of gift giving and gifts receiving and, uh, with all those splurge days around the corner, you know, stop and think. And, uh, that may, that may ultimately lead you to more happiness because that's what I wish for you and for myself as well. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and I will talk to you soon. God bless.